Well, Carlos, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Pumped to be here. It's great. I just asked you off before I press record if my English Carlos is correct or it should be Carlos. Yes. So I'm going to flick between the two as I forget. Yeah, you just go back and forth. Well, listen, any way you say my name is sounds better than any way anyone else <laughs> says my name. So do you just keep saying my name? I need to improve <laughs> on my Spanish pronunciation for sure. Mate, thank you so much for being here. I'm telling you off air, I've been a longtime follower of your content, what you get to do. I think it started on Twitter, Ragamuffin Soul Days, Fit oh, by wow. Fast. We're going back some time now. Probably Those showing both OG days, yes. The OG days. Uh, and just love what you get to do. But And it feels like, in a weird way, I feel like I know you, even though we've not really ever met before. And I feel like I'm some kind of stalker. So apologies for that. No, but, no, it's not. I tell people all the time that, you know, I've been sharing my life publicly for, I mean, over a decade. It, I can probably almost say decades. I mean, it's been wow. a long time that I've had a blog and, you know, was writing and sharing and my life. And so, you know, I've got a lot of friends that I've never met before that have been following along and praying for my family and doing all the things that I ask him to do. And it's, it's been great. So it's a pleasure to meet you. It's amazing. There's been a few times we've been in the same room and because I feel like I know you so well, I've almost gone to like give you a hug, buy you a coffee and then like, oh, I don't know who I am. We need to backtrack. It's funny. <laughs> but it feels like I do. I feel like we've kind of like said, worked out together, laughed together. I've been brought That's to right. tears by some of your stories and the way you've shared your life. And here's the thing I really want to thank you for though. I really value the way that you've challenged both my thinking and my behavior. Wow. And I think your voice has been amazing in the last couple of years, particularly tackling some huge topics that yeah. I, as a white British guy, maybe haven't known how to process and been able to yeah. lean into your guidance. So thank you so much for oh, you're welcome, the way you contribute man. your voice to the community. You're, you're welcome. Thanks for telling me that. Yeah. Here's my challenge is I don't know how to define what you do. I was chatting to my wife yeah. this morning and said, I've got this podcast recording. She goes, oh, I've heard you talk about him. What is it that he does? And I'm like... I'm going to ask him. So maybe he yeah. can define exactly what he does in clearer terms. So when someone asks you what you do for a living or what your role is, how do you put language to all that you do? Yeah, that's difficult. It's one of the more, more difficult things I have to do every week when, you know, <laughs> if I'm sitting on an airplane and someone leans over and they're like, what do you do? I'm like, well, uh, I raise hundreds of thousands of dollars on Venmo through Instagram for strangers. Like, how do you, how do you <laughs> say that? Right. Or, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I do tell people I write books and then I talk about them. So I guess an author and a speaker is probably the bit main category you can place me in. But, you know, to be honest with you, the last year and a half, well, I, I am writing a book right now, but I haven't released any books. And I've just okay. been pretty much full-time trying to have hard conversations in a grace-filled way on various social channels. And Instagram is primarily the one. And so I would say in this season, you know, you could maybe call me an Instagrammer or something because okay. that's where yep. I'm spending a lot of my time trying to get people to think critically and trying to get people to think critically through the lens of the gospel. You know, not critically for the sake of being right or wrong about certain issues, but just thinking you know, critically. And then you know, just trying to help people be better humans. I just feel like like we yeah. need a little bit of a course correction as humanity over the last two years. And we've been bumped one degree off course as humanity. And that one degree may not feel like a big deal, but in 10 years, just one degree of a course change, you could end up hundreds of miles away from where you wanted to be. So, you know, really yeah. trying to help people be better humans and um, step into the the fullness of who God's created us to be. So there are so many topics that we could have picked for today's yeah. podcast. There it is. And we're going to talk about your book, Kill the Spider, in a moment. But yeah. what are some of those topics that you've lent into this year that you felt compelled to challenge people's thinking or help guide them in the way that they yeah. process? 
Well, you know, coming from a worship leading background, I mean, that's what I did mm-hmm. for the first 10 years of my ministry. Most of the churches I led worship in were like white evangelical mega churches in right. America. And yep. because of that, the majority of my platform that was built was white evangelical conservative middle American, yep. you know, families. And when 2020 came around the corner and there was all of this tension beginning to happen, I realized, well, I may be the only non-white person these people have a voice wow. into their lives. Yeah. And so I started to talk about a lot of the hard conversations around racial reconciliation, about around racism, around black yeah. lives. Um, and then that shifted into, well, you know what? They're listening to me about these hard things. I wonder if we can talk about other hard things. And so okay. I just began to talk about all the hard things, right? Like opinions on masks, to opinions on COVID, to opinions on the election, to opinions on police, to all of these things that I would say most Christians were trying to, well, most Christians were not trying to have healthy conversations around these things. They were trying to prove points. And I'm not out here in these streets trying to prove a point. I'm just trying to get people to think about other people. That's it. Like, look at another human and see other people. And yeah, so those are some of the things that I've been talking about. Anytime something heated comes up, I try to address it. Again, probably my last post that went viral on Instagram was around Afghanistan and the refugees and 9-11. So like, I've tried to put words to well, not to paper, words to my phone, um, yeah. so that people can read them and then go, you know what? You said what I was thinking. I just couldn't figure out how to say it. And yes. that's probably my biggest compliment that people yeah. give me as an author is that. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to get people to just open their hearts to the reality of humanity around these hard issues and talk about hard things in a way that makes everybody feel safe. And it really is graceful. I've really admired the way that you've done that, the way that I can only imagine it's a challenge to oh, yeah. toe at times and get right. And obviously, you know, watch with interest the comments and the conversations that you'll be aware of, but also conversations that prop up that you may not be that's inspired by some of your posts yeah. as well. So again, thank you for me. I've loved that. It's been really helpful uh, and certainly has helped me grow my character. And I'd encourage our listeners awesome. to go and check out your stories and your highlights because they're so well created. Hey, I want to ask you about some stuff that God's been doing through your Instagram family and following recently. And there's been this incredible journey of you connecting people's generosity to people and causes and stories that you see. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because it's been yeah. mind-blowing to watch. Yeah, you know, I am. Um, <laughs> I just kind of stumbled upon this because what happened to my family was in March of 21 this year when we're recording okay. this. We had one of the worst weeks ever in our lives. Going, I'll spare you the details, but it was, if you follow it on Instagram, probably yeah. the worst week of our lives. And we lost a lot. There was a lot of physical ailments in my family. There was a lot of just in the natural things in our home that when our, our dog passed away, a, a lot of bad things. And we had, I had a friend of mine on Instagram raise a lot of money for us. And, you know, I didn't feel like I deserved it. I mean, I have a job. Like, I don't need people to like yeah. give me anything. I'm a grown man. I can pay my bills. And <laughs> when, when she finally convinced me to accept it, there was something about not feeling worthy that I feel most people out there feel. And the more I started thinking about it, the more I'm like, actually this, yes, this is going to help us, but this is actually doing something to the people that are giving. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Like the amount of money that we got, like paid off our debts, it was mind blowing. And so when that happened to me, I started thinking, well, I may not have the amount of followers that this lady has, but why can't I start doing some of these things? So just on a whim, I just wondered if some of my followers would do it. And we 
you know, there was a lady that needed, um, that somebody had, had told me about her and I started reading up on her story and she was trying to raise money to purchase and to train a seizure alert dog because she was having 150 seizures a day. Yeah. And so she needed like $20,000 or something. And I just put it on my Instagram. And I think it was like in 90 seconds or something, we'd raised the $20,000. <laughs> and I was like, wow, what in the world? And then so ended up like raising 50000 so she could pay for medical bills and yada, yada. I just, that was, I sat back after that day and I thought, okay, people actually are desperate to give. They want to surround right. something that they can cheer for. They want to come together. There's so many things in the, on this planet that are pulling us apart. I yep. think the reason why this is working on my Instagram is people are tired of that. They want to come together. They want to, yeah. they don't want to ask who you voted for. They don't want to ask what your vaccine status is. They don't want to ask these things. They just want to see another human and help. And so that's what I've done. So we ended up raising close to $700,000 in the last maybe six months that wow. just my Instagram audience has raised. And so we've seen lives changed. And like I told you, I think people are exhausted from hating each other. And I think people are just ready to do something else besides that. And I, all I'm doing is giving them the opportunity to do it. I'm not giving my money away, right? People are keep, they're like, Carlos, like, you're so incredible. And I'm like, I've probably given $200 total to these causes, like the Insta Familia that is, yeah. th that are the superheroes. And so all I'm doing is I'm the ringleader. I'm just pulling these people together and they're the ones doing the good. And so, yeah, it's been fun. And it's been fun to watch, I would say my influence outside the walls of the church has grown at a much more rapid pace than my influence inside the walls of the church. And I think in, initially that bothered me because my identity okay. was maybe placed in some things, but, and we can get into that later, but, but to watch secular national media kind of gravitate towards what I'm doing and yeah. allowing me to, to step in and be the hands and feet of Jesus with, maybe they don't know that's what I'm doing, but that's what I'm doing has been something that I'm starting to really enjoy. So it's been, it's been fun, man. It's so restoring of hope and humanity when you see stuff like that play out uh, yeah. and you get to watch it and really emotional at times to see. But I think you're right. I think people want to love. They want to give. They just need a way that they can trust that it's connected well and it's yeah. the story that they want to be able to hear the result of yeah. what they've done and how they've helped. Yeah. And I think you've communicated Absolutely. on both sides so well. So this was driven home to me. I was September. I'm flying home from America. Uh, I've been out there with my family and okay. we go through Atlanta. So we fly from Orlando to Atlanta. We land a couple of gates away from Chick-fil-A. And I say to my kids, right, here's the moment daddy's been telling you about. I'm going to introduce you to this Christian chicken that you've never tasted yes, before. Yes, yes. We go around the corner and we sit there. And as we're eating our chicken, I hear the piano playing from yeah. the same point that the piano player from one of your stories. I thought, oh my goodness. But what struck me yeah. is like, I never would have noticed there was a piano playing in the background if you hadn't drawn attention to the fact that you noticed there's a piano player being ignored yeah. by everybody in the background. Is that something new in your life that you're just becoming more aware and God's connecting you? Or has that always been part of who you are? Yeah, you know, I it definitely hasn't always been part of who I am. It took me not being seen enough times for me to realize, you know what? I now have the opportunity and the platform to be able to allow people to be seen in ways they've never been seen. And so I'm I'm going to I'm going to use it. You know, and so we, with that piano player and giving him a $10,000 tip, you know, in 30 minutes, it wasn't about the money for Tony because Tony actually has given almost all that money back away. Wow. But what it did was 
it restored his faith in humanity. It, it allowed him right. to be seen. And so I think it's a muscle that we all have to uh, work out, continually exercise. I think that I talk about Instagram as the way that I'm spreading hope, but also Instagram is also, could be also the most toxic place on the planet where it's all about me. It's all about me. Yeah. It's all about me. And yeah. so I'm living in this conundrum of trying to make sure that I'm walking this fine line of using the platform, not letting the platform use me. And honestly, seeing others more than I'm wanting people to see me. And when I, when you see others and when you see the response of other people being seen, you just yeah. get addicted to it. And that's where I find myself. There's some workers, I'm assuming uh, maybe some of them are here in America undocumented in my front yard right now, laying Google fiber. And, you know, I thought to myself when I woke up this morning, they're doing it all up and down the street and they're just down there digging and just speaking yeah. Spanish to each other. I said, you know what? I just I just need them to be seen. So like I cooked them like a big old hearty breakfast pancakes this morning, Amazing. took it out to them, and they were so happy. That didn't end up on my Instagram, yeah. but they were seen. And so again, like it's just a muscle that I've worked out enough now to where that's what I want to do. And that's my first reaction. I love it. Well, yeah. that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. Oh, yeah. I wanted to yeah. get into it. It's so fascinating. I love that you said tonight because it's <laughs> it's this morning here and it's tonight for you. So that that's brilliant. Well, do you know, I normally end up doing these podcasts after my kids go to bed, uh -huh. 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. And it's worked out today that it's 5 p.m. So yeah. it's practically the morning for I me know. and yeah. you. This is great. I love it. Hey, so let me take you to another airport journey of mine. I seem to live a lot of my life at airports at the moment. So July, I'm finishing a three-week tour away from my kids, away from my family. I've been in the US for three weeks working. Uh, I'm getting ready to fly home. I'm sat at Austin Airport. And honestly, I've consumed all the television and all the movies on the flights recently, and I want to do something different. So I open up Audible, and I come across Kill the Spider. And I've heard about the book. I've seen people talk about it, but I haven't listened to it. So I spent a credit, yeah. downloaded the book, and put it on. Flew to Washington, flew home, and then had one flight from London back. And it's the first time ever that I've gone from cover to cover, if I can say that on an audiobook, yep. and listen to it other than the sleep in one take. And it was amazing. I think it put language to struggles that I'd had in my own life that I wasn't able to understand or process. And so much in my own life has started to, not instantly, but started to work sure. out and yeah. heal since listening to that book. So I have a real attachment to Kill the Spider. So I'm taking you back to an older work. Forgive yeah. me for doing that. I know it's like your newest book and we'll talk about it in a moment, but they're like, they're really close cousins. Like, like they, they both go hand in oh, hand. Oh, cool. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I'm about to do that one next. Yeah. But as I finished the book, I messaged Monica and the team at Multitracks and said, we need to talk about this book for our listeners because there's so much in there that I think is just going to continue to bring opportunity for our worship leaders to discover full health yeah. and work towards full wholeness. So Let's start with the journey of the book, if that's all right. You define two ministry moments that kind of changed the course uh, of you as a character and you as your life. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that book started and those moments in your life? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of ministry moments. So I, I you may want to be more specific of, as to which one we're talking about, because I'm really old. And so... <laughs> so you talk about one where you're leading worship and you have like what you yes. thought was a heart attack. Yes, absolutely. Moment. Yeah. So we can start with that one. I, um, yeah. I was a worship leader. I mean, that's what I've done. Yeah. Well, I can't really say the majority of my career now because I'm just getting old enough to where now the second <laughs> half of my life is getting longer than the first half. But I was leading worship and had a panic attack. Okay. And I was at Sandals Church in Riverside, California as the worship pastor, was there for about 10 years. And, you know, it came out of nowhere and knocked me off my feet and forced me to begin to pray in ways I'd never prayed before. And it was 
the beginning of a very dark season of trying to medicate my anxiety and trying to medicate things. And so okay. that was, you know, that, that, was, that was one of them. Well, I think that's the thing, isn't it, that struck me in this book. And I think that was the, the language that I was trying to, to find. I think for years, obviously the book uses metaphor around spiders and webs. And you talk around the whole idea of killing the spider. And I think for me, I'd never made the link. Yeah. Brilliantly as you put it, and as obvious as it sounds now, I'd never made the connection. And I think for years I'd been chasing webs yeah. and never really understood the role of the spider. Can you unpack that metaphor? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I'll, I'll go back to that one ministry moment where things went crashing down anxiety-wise. I did everything I could in the natural, right? I, I t- right. started taking medicine. I exercised. I did all the things, but I only got about 60% better. Uh, And so what did I do to help me feel like I was getting the last 40%? Well, I began to medicate and I began to do things that were very destructive to my family and my friends. But, you know, in the moment of medicating, it feels better to medicate than worry about what you're doing to the rest of your life. So spiral out of control, my life falls apart. And then I find myself in my therapist's office and, you know, my therapist is telling me, yeah, like, if you don't figure this out, you're going to do this again to your family. So I called my dad because I'm like, dad, you need to help me figure out how to fix these behaviors. And my dad basically told me a quick story where he ended up telling me that I needed to not clean the cobwebs, but I needed to kill the spider. And I was like, wow. And I knew that when he told me that I'd been doing this whole thing wrong. So I went on this journey and ultimately ended up killing my spider. But to unpack that, like a a baseline statement for your listeners, how I define a spider is... A spider is an agreement that you've made with a lie. Now, we all have these spiders, right? We all have agreements we've right. made with lies. That's what we need to get to. But unfortunately, what most of us, especially a lot of Christians end up doing, is we go straight to the cobwebs because those are a lot easier right. to clean than the yep. spider. And so if a spider is an agreement with a lie, I say a cobweb is a medicating behavior that brings comfort to the lie. So those things are going to be alcohol, pornography, gossip, overspending. I mean, anything, anything that you can think of that is a behavior you want to change, that you can go down the self-help aisle at Barnes & Nobles and find your book that's going to give you five steps to help fix those things. Those are all cobwebs. And although cleaning the cobwebs, I think is necessary. Sometimes you don't want cobwebs sitting around. So I think those books are fine. They're never going to give you true freedom. True freedom is finding the spider and killing the spider. So when my dad told me that, it changed my trajectory and I ended up killing my spider. Now I help people through my book and through some of my talks um, find and kill their own spiders. Carlos, are you prepared to go there? Are you prepared to unpack what some of those cobwebs were oh, in, yeah. in your life that yeah. you were dealing with? The result that that had on your your family, your children, and your relationship with your wife? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I had a lot. I, <laughs> I would say, I would say that I used alcohol definitely as a medicator. I used it, you know, and I was like, oh, I'm just having a beer or two every night. Like I never was a drunk, but it became my medicating behavior that was bringing comfort to a lie. There were also, you know, artificial intimacy is one that I talk about in the book. That that is one that I definitely fell into. And that could be anything from an affair to pornography. It could be anything that is medicating some agreement you've made with the lie. Now, I mean, those are easy. Like everybody knows what their cobweb is. Everybody knows what their medicator is, right? You, you know, yeah. if you don't know what, you, what it is, ask your family. They'll tell you what it is, okay? But yeah. the harder part is the spider, right? Like what was right. the lie that I believe that was causing me to uh, flirt with people outside of my marriage? Okay. What, what was the lie that I believed that was causing me to drink more alcohol? And so for me, 
these lies are going to be different for everyone else. I had to get to the place yeah. and ask Holy Spirit, what's the lie? And he told me, you believe that God has abandoned you. When I realized that that was my spider, that that was my lie, yeah. guess what? When I killed that lie, when I killed that spider and broke the agreement with that lie, all the other things went away. And so that was for me where I was like, oh my gosh, my dad's right. You kill the spider, the cobwebs go away. Cobwebs don't be there if there's not a spider there. And so again, I just want everyone to know that like, even cobwebs don't have to be ugly cobwebs. Like you can have okay. very beautiful cobwebs. My wife yeah. told me that her cobweb was throwing parties and cooking for people. And I was like, wait, how could that be a cobweb? That's a wonderful thing. Like people love that you do that. She said, yes, but listen, this is why it's a cobweb. This is why it's a medicating behavior. Because I believed the lie that I must do to be loved. So suddenly you see how right. something beautiful, like being a host, cooking for people, that could end up damaging your heart because you're doing it to medicate another lie. So when she told me that, that's when I realized, guess what? This book isn't just for like horrible, dark, deep-rooted sins like, yeah. you know, some of these drugs or pornography or things. It could also be for some of these beautiful sins, for some of these sins that people right. compliment you on. So I just want everybody to know that you all have them. Everyone listening to this has cobwebs and spiders, not just your significant other that you're thinking about right now, but you've got work that you can do on it as well. <laughs> so I wrote in my journal, Hunting Spiders at Heathrow, I think was the title oh, wow. of my journal when I was sat there. And it was the last hour of that book that I'm kind of writing all this down frantically. And that was the massive realization for me. I consider myself to be fairly on it, 40 year old, working yeah. out what's going on in my life. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I've never made this connection between wow. the cobwebs that I'm trying to get rid of and some that I feel like I have and some that are still there and not yeah. more than big, hairy, audacious, sickly sure. ones, but like you said, but some that I know that aren't healthy. And this connection with the spider, how did you make the link between the cobwebs in your life and then recognizing there's a spider behind it, which you identified as agreeing with a lie? But what was yeah. that journey like getting yeah. from web to spider? Yeah, it took a lot of therapy. It took a lot of okay. talking to other people that were farther along in the process than me. It took a lot of right. really two, two specific journeys in general. One, I went to this program called Onsite here outside of Nashville, which really was the story arc of Kill the Spider. It's my seven days at yeah. this experiential therapy center. I believe, I'm a big believer in therapy. I'm a big believer that okay. therapy can help you find your spider. Now, I think when I wrote Kill the Spider, I think, and this is a plug for the next book, because I think that I felt like after... I wrote Kill the Spider, or after I went to Onsite, that I had actually killed my spider. But the truth is, okay. is that all Onsite did and all therapy can do is help you find the spider. It can't help right. you kill the spider. And so that's what my next book, Enter Wild, really gives. Okay. You know, there's tools in Kill the Spider, obviously, that are going to help you kill it. Yeah. But for me, my seven days at therapy were very instrumental in me finding my spider. My seven days at, I did this inner healing prayer with this man named John here in Nashville, Tennessee, in his library. We went places that on-site could never take me. And that's where I really started to break some agreements in ways that I'd never did in therapy. And so inner healing prayer is definitely for somebody that needs more help than just maybe praying the scriptures that I give you and kill the spider. Yeah. That's probably the next step to help people do that. But those were my two things, therapy and inner healing prayer. And I don't feel like they have to be mutually exclusive. I, I believe that they can happen at the same time. I, I believe that there's practitioners that can help you do both. But for me, I definitely needed to differentiate the difference between finding the spider and killing the spider. So good. 
So, yeah. so good. You talk about the spider being agreements that you make with a lie. How conscious is that agreement that someone makes with a lie? Or can it be really subtle and you don't even notice it? And is that the need for the hunt? Oh, most people don't even know that they've made these agreements. And why I love hunting in Heathrow, what you said, because it really is the hunt, right? You have to hunt. You have to go back decades, even to childhood, to find these moments where you made these agreements. I'd say most people's spiders were birthed in childhood. So that's why therapy is so important. That's why really inviting Holy Spirit to lead your mind and your heart into memories and recollections that you may not know off the top of your head is so important because When you were in, say, level two in school and that teacher said that one thing to you that you don't even Mm -hmm. remember, but that thing rooted a baby spider in your life that ended up controlling you for the next two decades, you've got to really go find the root of these things. And so, yeah, you know, hunting the spider is not easy. It is a difficult thing. If it was easy, then the book would have been one page, but it's definitely not. So... So there's another part or an aspect to your story which was really attractive to me, and it's the whole worship leader connection. And obviously my background is a worship leader. Majority of the listeners to the Worship and Technology podcast will be worship leaders. And I think there's something really interesting about the assumptions we can make about our own health based on the health of our ministry. So let me say that another way. There's been a temptation in my life to go, oh, I don't need to pay attention to this unhealthy behavior because look at what God's doing in my church, in my worship leading, in my career. How have you recognized that? And how were you able to make the connection between onstage and offstage, Carlos? So good. You know, if you have a light shining on you so other people can see you, you are set up to birth spiders like every day. Okay. Like, like if, if that if that's your job, like, hey, I'm going to get up on a stage with a microphone that is going to amplify my voice and I'm going to dress as nice as I can and I'm going to sing, you know, a bunch of songs that are going to make people feel incredible and then I'm going to walk yeah. off stage and no matter how humble I am, people are going to find me and tell me how incredible my voice sounded and how much I moved. You are set up. You are a... Yeah. Spider birthing factory. Okay. <laughs> and so let me talk to the worst leaders for a second. Like you have yeah. to, you have to on the daily ask God to reveal your spiders to you every single day. Lord, what are some agreements I've made with lies? What are some medicating behaviors? Maybe for some people, their cobweb is sprinting off stage to make sure they make it to the lobby to shake enough hands so that enough people tell them how good that they did on a Sunday morning. Like, boom, let me just say it. I'll just call it for what it is. Like, what if that's a cobweb for, you know, a lot of people that are listening to this? Think about it. Do you anticipate and look forward to the praise that you get after you are praising Jesus? And this, I'm not saying these are bad people. I'm saying this happens to so many worship leaders because our identity gets based upon our role and our ministry and how many people are lifting their hands on a Sunday morning. Oh, and then you walk off stage and nobody was really engaged in worship today, you know, like, and then you start, these lies start to get birth. These spiders start to get birth. You know what? In that moment, nope. I confess the lie that my identity is based on how many people raise their hands. I reject that lie and I send it to the foot of the cross and I replace the lie with the truth that If not one person for the rest of my worship leading career lifts as much as a pinky, I am glorifying you, Jesus. Bam, spiders 
are dead in that moment. We've got to do it constantly because if you don't, you will find yourself in a very unhealthy place where you're going to have to medicate the lie that your identity is based somehow in your position as a worship leader. Sorry if that was too much. (laughs) Let's go there further. Like there are so many. My goodness, I would search my own name on Instagram absolutely, or on Twitter after an event to see what people actually said about me. And if absolutely. I couldn't find it, that was more soul-destroying yep. than anything else, yep. right? Yep. Or if they were talking about the other worship leader and they were pinging yes. them more. I mean, come on. I'm right there with you. I've been doing all the same things, all of those things. So you mentioned three steps there in yeah. killing that spider. You said confess, reject, and replace, yeah. right? And you talk about this in the book. Yeah. Talk me a little bit about that process. And yeah. in if we don't get to enter wild, how yeah. we can take that lesson from Kill the Spider to addressing some of this. Yeah, you know, you and again, I mean, this is all inner wild. This is how I break agreements and how I enter war is with this skill set of, that's all biblical. You, you confess the lie, and I don't have the specific scripture in front of me, but scripture tells us to confess the lie with our mouths, right? You confess the lie and then you reject the lie. You have to literally reject it. You have to say in the name of Jesus, I reject the lie and I I send the lie to the foot of the cross where I don't have to deal with it anymore. I send it and be very specific. Our words are very powerful. Secular psychologists will tell you our words, when you make agreements with things, like your words are so powerful. And when you break agreements, break them out loud. And then I think the biggest hole that a lot of Christians leave in this spider killing or hunting journey is they forget to replace the lie with God's truth. That's probably the most powerful part of the kill the spider moment is like, if you kill a spider and you leave a hole in your heart where that lie was and you don't fill it with God's truth, all you're going to do is fill it with another lie. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, gosh, Carlos, I've tried to kill my spider. I confess the lie. I reject the lie. And like, and that's it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's going to come back. Like, it's going to keep coming. You have to replace that with truth. So how do you do that? Yeah. You find in Scripture, what are truths that are the antithesis of those lies? What are truths that speak against those lies? So say, even when we pray sometimes, while we're praying, we're making agreements with the enemy. It's crazy. People will pray like this, God, I am so anxious. It's so funny. Like, what are you saying when you say that? You're actually saying anxiety is what you are. So while you're praying to God, I think the enemy's like, I like this prayer. This is, yeah, keep saying, how about about the next one? I am depressed. Why don't you say that? God, I am depressed. God, I am overwhelmed. God, I am stressed. Well, (laughs) when we do that, when we're praying that way, yes, of course, God can hear a desperate prayer and God can come in and resurrect you in ways that, you know, the enemy can't even touch. But let me tell you, If you are sitting in these agreements with lies and you're even stating them while you pray, you've got to reject those lies. I am not depressed. I send that lie. I'm not anxious. I send that lie for the cross. And when it's time to replace it, you find scriptures like, no, this is what I am. Let me tell you what I am. I am the body of Christ and Satan has no power over me for I overcome evil with good. I am of God and have overcome him for greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fear no evil for you are with me, Lord. Your word and your spirit, they comfort me. I am far from oppression. Fear does not come near me. No weapon form against you shall prosper. Suddenly, what am I doing? I'm replacing the lie with the truth. And when that is embedded, I mean, all those scriptures that I was just telling you, I'm not reading my Bible. They're just in me because I've had to say them so many times. And that's the key. Replace the lies with the truth and the word of God. That's when the spider can't come back in and spin another cobweb. Carlos, this is so good. I feel like I should be paying you for therapy, not recording a (laughs) podcast here. So let me tell you something that I discovered that was really interesting is as I felt like I was identifying lies that I come into agreement with and I'm trying to confess them and replace them, 
if I'm not careful, I tell myself new lies mm. that I can't recover from this or what I've done, there isn't a path back. You must have experienced some of that. You must have gone through. And I guess what I'm saying is, tell us now what it's like on the other side of that and the hope and the restoration that Jesus can bring back to someone that walks through this, this journey. Yeah. Just know that like it will feel impossible. I'm, I'm telling you, if this stuff was possible, there would be no need for the gospel. If it right. was possible for us to get to a place on our own where we can give ourselves hope, there's no need for the gospel. That's why the gospel is here. That's why Jesus came was to set yeah. us free, to set the captives free. So if you're trying to roll your sleeves up Every day, read your self-help books, listen to your podcasts, even listen to the sermons and sing your favorite worship songs. And if you're striving to find freedom, I'm here to tell you that all of that you can stop doing right now. The only way to find freedom is not through striving, it's through surrender. Now, once you surrender, let me tell you, when you surrender and you start allowing Jesus and Holy Spirit to work through you, now the podcasts, now the sermons, now the worship, they lift you in, in places that they never were before because you're not trying to get those things to heal you. You're literally just right. trying to get the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection to be the thing that gives you freedom. And so I'm here to tell you that I was as broken, beat up, downtrodden as any human being you've ever met. Like I was, I lost my family. I lost it all. And God's promise to us is this. You know, 1 Peter 5.10 says, the God of all grace who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little. That's what it says. So I need people to know that it ends with after you've suffered a little. That means there's gonna be suffering. But there's yeah. also going to be restoration. There's also going to be redemption. There's also going to be establishment. All of those things that it says before you've suffered a little are going to happen yeah. too. And know this, it ends with a little. It doesn't say a lot after you've suffered a lot. Right. So just know yeah. that if you're in a season of suffering, if you feel like it's impossible, hang on to 1 Peter 5.10. Understand that, yes, suffering is going to be there, but it's only going to be a little. And I promise you, restoration, establishment, strengthening, and supporting is on its way. And it's probably even happening right now, and you don't even know it. So, so good. So yeah. helpful. I'm going to ask you one more question, and then I'm going to ask you if you'll pray for our listeners Absolutely. before we wrap up. Here's the other thing that we're hearing, and it's slightly disconnected from our conversation, but the more we talk to worship leaders, the reoccurring theme that's coming out from conversations at the moment is, as I transition into post-COVID church life, whatever that might look like, yeah. my identity has been rocked to the core. Yeah, Who I am, what I did, my life in church. I'm trying to process all of this. And time and time again, we're hearing this kind of comment back, like, I'm trying to protect my mental health. I don't know the cost this season's had on my mental health. Or people just kind of wrestling with all of that. What are your thoughts around worship leaders in this new season? If you were mentoring worship leaders right now, what would you be saying to them in the way that they guide their hearts and their minds as they yeah. continue to do what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. Stay saturated in the word. I mean, more right. than you ever have before. And make sure that you are encountering the presence of Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Encountering. At our church, I think they say, I don't get this right, but like presence over performance, encounter over entertainment. Right. I feel like those things are so vital for worship leaders. Because yeah. if you are not surrounded by his presence 
then it is just going to be a performance on Sunday. If you are not encountering Holy Spirit on a daily basis, then it is just going to be entertainment on Sunday. And guess what? You will not be in ministry much longer. Your soul will rot and you'll go find something to medicate. If there's ever been a time that we need to be saturated in the Word and saturated in His presence, it's right now because— Yes, look at the world. It does feel like it's getting darker. It does feel like it's getting heavier. And if worship leaders are just trying to like roll their sleeves up and, you know, just be strong and make it through, you're not going to do it. Like just give up trying to live your Christian life on your own and allow Christ to live it through you. And I feel like that's going to be the thing that's going to get you guys, not only through this next season, but really to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a season where the church needs to be rising up way, way stronger than it is right now and not shying away from leading people to the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of the gospel. Carlos, thank you for your time. Thanks for today, tonight, this morning. Yeah. (laughs) So useful. I would genuinely encourage everybody. Here's my take on this. I've stayed away from books like Kill the Spider because I've not felt that I've needed it or I kind of don't need to go there. And I'm so pleased that I did because it showed me stuff that I wanted to improve and areas of my life that needed healing. And it's been amazing to start that journey and walk through. I'm excited to go and dig into Enter Wild. So here's my encouragement to any listeners to absolutely go and check out that. Check out your stories and the incredible work that God's doing in your life and through your Instagram community and to to be part of that story because that's one that no one wants to to miss out on. Here's my final request. Would you pray for us? Would you pray for worship leaders listening to this podcast? Yes. That... There hasn't been a word that we share that's been wasted, that there isn't a opportunity that we can't get hold of. Uh, and ultimately, we would lean into the hunt of trying to identify those lies Absolutely. in our life so that we can be whole and healthy worship leaders that yeah. serve our church as well. Absolutely. No, let's me. let's do that. Lord, I, I, um, I want to pray very specifically for the worship leader right now that's just listening to this and their heart is maybe beating a little faster than normal because Holy Spirit, you're impressing upon them that there's some work that needs to be done. Um, mm-hmm. I pray that that whoever is is listening to this that is feeling that does not shy away from the work that needs to be done, but runs and sprints as fast as they can into the work because they know that they've got you and they have the belts of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, the helmet of salvation, the shields of faith, the sword of the spirit. And I pray that they choose to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of your might, step into the battle and the hunt looking for this spider. And for for those that are listening to this that maybe have not heard or felt your presence in a long time, I know that there's some worship leaders like that that are listening yeah. as well. Holy Spirit, yeah. just blow them away with your presence this week. Blow them away uh, in some supernatural ways where they there's there's no other way. There's no other way that whatever happened happened without there being some supernatural presence in their life. So show up in supernatural ways to the people that are listening to this podcast. But more than anything, will you just strengthen this community because they are the ones on the front lines that are blowing the trumpets, that are the ones that are creating the battle cries and the war cries for me to sing when I am downcast and downtrodden. Will you give them words? Will you give them melodies? Will you give them strength in this season? For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.